Welcome to the Chase Merrill Podcast. I am your host, Chase Merrill, and we are all about helping people get freed up from what's holding them back so they can build up who they were made to be. On this season of the podcast, we're doing something called The 52 Project. 52 conversations over 52 weeks with 52 different people who have made an impact on my life that I want to share with the world. On today's episode of the podcast, I have my friend Marianne Cosby with me. At 87 years young, she lives with more passion and vibrancy for life than most people that I know. We talk about things like how to bridge the generational gap between the young and old within the church and the world walking through cancer and chemo and how she found peace in the middle of it all how to make the most with the one life that you've been given and so much more today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by frontline coffee co delicious bold and expertly roasted small batch coffee for the everyday american frontline is not just about coffee they're about supporting responders on the front lines courageously caring for the rest of us with every frontline purchase a percentage goes to supporting the brave men and women who are doing just that head over to frontlinecoffeeco.com and use promo code freed up that's f-r-e-e-d-u-p all one word freed up to get 15 percent off your purchase now let's jump into today's conversation Welcome to the Chase Merrill Podcast. I have an absolute precious, powerful uh, guest with me today, Marion Cosby. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for the privilege, Pastor Chase. What a uh, what a what a cool thing to get to sit here with you in person. Uh, I just, I just, I've had a lot of those moments already so far in the time that Holly and I have lived here up in Olympia. Um, just to be around you, but to have like this kind of moment today and to share this time and really take. Uh, a snapshot of a lot of life lived in a, you know, podcast conversation is not possible, but yet I know anytime with you or people getting to be around you, um, they're impacted by it. And so as I have been, which is why you're here, uh, part of the 52 project, you've been one of those 52 people who's made an impact on my life in just a tremendous way. Um, and so just excited to have you with me today. Will you, for the people that don't know you, Okay, a lot of them probably will uh, that have had some connection to the podcast over the last several weeks. Uh, but just for the people that don't know you, could you give me a snapshot? Who are you? Uh, just this season of your life? What do you, where? What are you doing? Where are you at? Just anything that kind of comes to your mind to describe a little bit about who you are in a nutshell. Well, uh, I am widowed, have been for 20 years, and um, it's very interesting uh, having to adjust to a whole new life, literally, yeah, yeah. when you become uh, widowed. Right. Uh, and I, I think that um, I felt like at the time, well, now um, I've got to find something to do. I've got to do something that, that counts for something. I don't want to just waste my life. I was pretty, still pretty young, yeah. 67, when I was widowed. Yeah. So um, I felt like I wanted to do something with my life, but I didn't know what. Yeah. And, of course, after the shock of, of losing my husband and uh, a month later losing my brother, wow. four months later losing a, a brother-in-law, and 20 months later losing my son, uh, it was quite a, quite a time of adjustment for me. Yeah. So I I didn't want to I didn't want to jump into something that I was doing. I wanted what God wanted for my life. Yeah. So I had to wait a few years. Uh there was more schooling to go through. Yeah. And I had to wait a few years. Yeah. Uh but um God led my sister and I into a ministry of compassionate care, ministering to widows and people who have lost children. Hmm. So uh, that lasted from about 2006, I think it was, to 2011, when my sister and I moved to Tennessee. Moved there to be with my sister, my other sister, who had just been widowed. Okay. So I was there for uh, another three and a half years. Then came back to Olympia, and because most of my family were here, and I couldn't stay away any longer, even though... Tennessee was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, came back and um, immediately got involved, of course, in Living Water again, where I went to previously. And so um, I thought, you know, I'm just going to kind of sit back for a while, and I'm going to just rest. Yeah. Well, I went to a Young at Heart meeting. Okay. 
and what's at the this, Young at Heart. Yeah, what's, what's Young at Heart for people that don't know what that That's is? That's for people, uh, a gathering once a month uh, at a potluck, and we usually have a speaker or singer or someone yeah. like that to, for entertainment. And it's uh, for anybody that wants to come over 55, but it's it's started, of course, by our church. Yeah. So I went one night, and Pastor Steve, bless his heart, I yeah. love him. And Pastor Steve said, uh, we, we want to really learn how to bridge the gap between the young and the old. Now, you have the opportunity to go to our Living Water Young Adults and just be there for them, mentor them. Wouldn't hurt if you'd take some cookies. <laughs> and so I signed up with, along, uh, with about 10 other people. Well, I was the only one that showed up. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, what are you doing? Mm. This, I, I don't know if I can do this. They're going to think I'm crazy. Yeah. Walking in there, yeah. wanting to be a part of them. No, I, I don't know if I can do this. Well, I had my cookies. I took my cookies in. I was amazed at how I was accepted by those young people. Yeah. And it has been one of the richest times of my life. Yeah. And of my retired life. Yeah. How do you remember how old so, you were when you started jumping into the young adults? Um I think I was probably maybe 81 or 2. Okay. Some something like that anyway. Yeah. Can't okay. remember exactly, but it was it was in 1916, <clears throat> uh, 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in 2016, I think, after I moved back here in 2015. Right. I think it was in December of that 2015 and then on into 16. Yeah, that, 16. that, that would make sense to you for me because we moved here in yes. 2017 and I had yes. been hearing about this person named Marion who is, had been a part of the young adult ministry. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's, and so you, I'd heard that coming in. So that's probably yeah, right there. Uh -huh. uh, and that's uh -huh. how we really kind of got introduced. It to, was to, uh -huh. you know, I remember the mo the first morning that you and Holly came. Oh yeah. And that, that I met you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I saw such potential, I couldn't hardly stand it. Yeah. And I was really excited when you took over the Living Water Young Adults. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It, so I, I came in, and, and Molly and I came in as high school, middle school and high school pastors, okay. and then um, and then we transitioned a couple years <laughs> after that into kind of helping to oversee both youth and young adults in our intern program uh, with Pastor Wes and Amanda Wimberly, and, and you were so pretty involved. Uh, but I just was so, I had never seen something like what you were doing. I have always yeah. had some, I'd seen some version uh -huh. of the generational talk about uh -huh. wanting to bridge the gap and, mm -hmm. you know, have the young and the old be be a, be in some form of opportunity to be in life and relationship together. Mm -hmm. But I just really never saw it materialize or last much longer than an occasional gathering or two. Uh -huh. And yet here you were. Uh, over 80 years old and uh you even you even adjusted some of your wardrobe if i remember correctly to, <laughs> yes to i the, did yeah, yeah to be which i mean just uh, the way that i heard young adults talk about you was just over the moon with love and adoration and respect and honor and you just became this this refuge a safe place for them to be able to approach and invite in and i think a lot of that was also because you you were very quick to invite them in it wasn't it wasn't mm -hmm. you did both well you got into their space and you just were there mm -hmm. and you kept being there which i think is such a powerful uh powerful thing in in the lives of a young adult in anybody's life but i think especially mm -hmm. young adults and then over the course of that time in developing some of those relationships you begin to invite them into your space which again wasn't like you Come, come to this thing and let me change something about you. It was like your home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like, come mm -hmm. over for a, a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and some cookies and, and let me just hear about your life. Let's pray together. How can I pray for you? And I would hear story after story after story of young adults mm -hmm. feeling seen and known and loved by you uh, over the course of time. And I just was like, who is this lady? <laughs> who is this lady who's actually living what... <laughs> what people talk about happening. So that's how I got introduced to you. Um, and in the young adult, our young adult ministry was impacted 
in significant ways because of the way that you really engaged there. And it probably was, well, you speak to just how, how it felt being somebody still in the older generation and beginning to see Mm -hmm. the potential or the opportunity to get involved and engage with young adults and, and seeing the fruit of that or the benefits Mm -hmm. and then feeling like it may have been time. There may have been times it felt like they, there weren't other people in your, you know, your generation that were getting that or Mm -hmm. wanting it as much as you were experiencing Mm it. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, um, it was, it was a bit awkward. I had to do some adjusting. Right. Because, you know, as older people, we look at younger people and we look at their holy jeans and their, uh, yes. (laughs) I do have a patch. I didn't wear mine today. I have a patch underneath one of my holes here, so I'm good. (laughs) But uh, looking at the outward appearance of our younger generation is what the older people were looking at. Rather than looking at the heart of these kids wanting to serve God. Yeah. And I had a few encounters with some of my older um, people, too. And they kind of wanted to straighten things out. And I said... You know, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. You break their spirit. You're going to break them. And that's that's not we don't want to do that. Right. Because I said we're going to accept the generation as it is. I says my generation was strange to the older generation. They didn't like some of the things we did either. Yeah. Well, that's been 100 years ago, but you know, if if we can look at the heart of these kids and what God is doing in their lives. I have seen the greatest transformation yeah. in some of these uh, some of these kids, such as Joel Champion. Yeah. A a marvelous change in their life. Yeah. But it takes the time to sit with them. Yeah. Get to really know them, get to know their heart. And and I so I determined that I would not look at the outward, I would look at the inward. And uh, like you say, I did kind of change my wardrobe yeah. a little bit for yeah. them. I didn't get any tattoos, yeah. <laughs> but I. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. um, anyway, I still have contact yeah. with quite a few of these kids. Right, you still have them over, or and, you still go to lunch or coffee yes, with them. Yeah, yes. to this day. Uh-huh. So this this would be two questions, but they're kind of connected. Uh-huh. The first one is if you were if you were to have a microphone like you do, and you were to speak to the younger generation, like the ones you're talking about, let's mm-hmm. say millennials, uh, Gen Z, you know. So we're talking, you know, fifteen to thirty, early thirties. And you were to give them some encouragement about how you would want them to engage somebody of the older generation in a way that would mm-hmm. make them feel valued and, and honored, but also included. Like help mm-hmm. help the younger generation for a moment with mm-hmm. a with a thought or two around how they could be do that more because it, it does mm-hmm. take two to tango. Like you, it really isn't just the older generation's responsibility pursuing yeah. or vice versa. That's right. Uh-huh. So what would you say to them? And then uh-huh. I'll, I'll have you speak to, to the older generation for okay. a second. But. I can just speak out of my own experience sure. of how the kids reacted to me and how they responded and are still responding to me. Um, I think I told you of, of some incidences recently yeah. that, that those kids have blessed me yeah. beyond what I could even imagine. Yeah. So I think that the the younger generation has to understand that the older generation, t- it takes a little longer sure. for them to get into our thinking than it does for us to get into their thinking, I think. Yeah. Now, that... You know, that's just my own assumption. Sure. But uh, I think that, that the younger generation is getting it all together in the way I have seen them react to me. Yeah. Now, I mean, they still, they will bring me flowers. They will drive by and bring me flowers on just any given day. Yeah. Uh, call me or text me uh, or say, uh, hey, do you have time for lunch today? Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Um, 
I think the thing that that older people want to be heard as well as the young people want to be heard. Right. So if the young people are willing to listen to some of our old stories over and over and yeah. over yeah. again, uh, it it helps the older people to accept the younger generation. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, that's so good. It It feels like a lot of what gets in the way of any kind of generational reconciliation or just generational uh-huh. unity, connection, relationship uh-huh. between young and old. I, I Here's part of what I see, and I think you've just done such a great job of dismantling, is just the fear of the unknown. Uh-huh. It's the uncomfortability of, well, I don't know what they'll think or if they'll receive mm-hmm. me or mm-hmm. or whatever. Or they have one experience with w- one person one young person who was, you know, disrespectful or lazy or careless that fit all the the stereotypes that they've got and then mm-hmm. and they 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 put the label over the entire thing or vice versa the older younger generation has one bad experience with a with a grandparent or somebody that just just looks at their life and they they can't uh-huh. ever feel like they're loved or accepted because they haven't, you know, met their expectation mm-hmm. and now they lump everybody in that category and i just think there's so much of that happening and within the church that uh, I'm just so passionate about how we can be people that bridge that gap to go, there's treasures in both generations yes, there that are, are being untapped and not, mm-hmm. not discovered because of some of these fears of the unknown uh-huh. or assumptions around uh, just who people are across a, a broad stroke. Mm-hmm. And um, I think older people have um, a fear of how do I act around young people? Sure. And and that can be broken down very easily if you will subject yourself to just just walk into their world. Yeah. Um and and get acquainted with them. Uh I I think what you do on Sunday morning is so wonderful because it gives our younger people an opportunity to to mix with the older people because we tend to sit okay young people on this side old people on that side and nary the twain shall meet (laughs) and (laughs) so it's 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 a fact of physically being with a person yeah and subjecting yourself to their life yeah yeah no i think that's so good i i i know for the older generation something that's on my heart around helping wanting to help them engage more because the reality is what i've seen to be true is that just kind of generationally um especially with the older generation you know i'm so baby boomer uh, the greatest generation baby boomer baby boomer and you know some i guess some top uh top end gen x uh is but but more baby boomer is that culturally or societally there was this kind of like we don't go where we're not invited mm-hmm. we don't we mm-hmm. don't if we are not clearly wanted or or invited or mm-hmm. called into a something whatever whether it's a part a dinner party a, a, an event or whatever there's this like we it's almost this it's disrespectful or it's not it's not normal we don't we don't impose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what I want to communicate to the older generation is like that does not that's not the same it's not the same value system that has had or held on to within the younger generation uh, we need I would say I'll represent myself and our generation to a degree we need that to be broken your your assumptions in that to be broken and say there's a lot of young people that just don't even know how to invite and so if you think yes. that the lack of invitation is is indica- is indicative of lack of need or desire then then you're you're wrong because there's such a lack of of understanding and awareness in so much of the younger generation to even know how to invite and so to some degree mm-hmm. i would say like come invite yourself uh you know invite us in over you know and don't take the the lack of response or the delayed response uh-huh. the text message that doesn't come back for four or five days or, <laughs> or the non-answering a phone call can i say this the younger generation as as weird as it is a phone call p- creates anxiety 
there's oh, the, yes. there's this like I don't know I don't want to answer right now right here and and so it's I'll, I'll screen it or mm-hmm. I'll you text them and you can get a lot more you know quicker anyway I just hope uh-huh. that, that they'll hear this this message humbly for me to say um, there's still a lot of great years left that a lot of the older generation has to deposit into the younger generation and and mm-hmm. a lot of that will go will go not to waste but it'll go not maximize if they're waiting for an invitation uh, because sometimes we need That's you true. to just invite yourself. That's so true. And sometimes you have to be the aggressor. The older person yeah. has to be the aggressor, maybe yeah. rather than the young person. Right. Uh, because had I not go- gone into that meeting that night, right. I would have missed one of the greatest blessings in my life. Yeah. So uh, as as scared as I was that night, and you know, here I was in my 80s, right. and I thought, what are they going to think of me? Yeah. I had to get over that fear of what they were going to initially think of me. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought, well, you know what? I have grandkids and great-grandkids and kids, and I'm going to just act around them like I do yeah. my own family. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's I I didn't have expectations. Yep. That weren't met. Yep. Because I tried to keep my expectations down yeah. so I wouldn't be disappointed. Yeah. That's a huge factor, mm-hmm. especially, I think, for your generation, where they do yes. come in with the expectation of what they've become accustomed to, in even regards for human interaction. Um, base level, I had a conversation with somebody recently who talked about um, they were trying to do this, and then they... They made the invite and kids, young adults said something around like, well, yeah, we might come, whatever. And then not many of them did. And there was Uh this real deep, deep, deep personal rejection Uh sense of like, well, Mm -hmm. they don't value this. And, and I I just would say you, you do, you have to kind of come in with a lower expectation and, and it's settled in your spirit. Like no matter what outcome, how well I'm received or wanted or communicated to, etc my my value and my commitment to pursuing this is not going to be you know shaken by whatever is coming yes what I'm in spite of rejection absolutely do it right and if you know that god has really directed you right to do that uh it's it's it makes all the difference in the world and i think too the kids understand and know the genuineness of you wanting to really get to know them. Yes. Not just, well, I'm here if you need me kind of thing. Right. That's not what it's all about right. at all. Right. It's, look, I'm available. If you're available, I'm available. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I'm available is not something often that young adults hear mm-hmm. or experience from the people in their life that they really need it from. Mm-hmm. Parents pastors coaches teachers etc and so one thing that the older generation can probably bring right now more than anybody else is that Mm -hmm. statement and gift of availability that we are so desperate for Mm -hmm. um and and now to your point about getting to know them you know again when part of where what's challenging for me is i sit from the younger generation seat and i go oh man i so much i want to challenge my generation to be like Uh you guys open your eyes like humble yourself and get up off your butt and do some pursuing you know you should be the ones pounding down these doors and 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 what can i do to be around you and and how can i serve you how could i take you to lunch how could i ask you questions right that's how i feel but i recognize you know that's not happening as much as i i hope it does i pray one day we can see that but um but yet my challenge to the older generation is to say we until that transformation can happen in a younger person's mm-hmm. heart to just ask questions like uh-huh. way, the way they will feel cared about is is to come in in those environments and rather than hey i'm not going to say anything until you ask me and i'll help you give you <laughs> or you know i have a bunch of things i want to say to you about right. how you're doing or not doing something mm-hmm. to come in and ask questions about who they are what what matters to them what's what's causing them joy what's causing them pain anxiety all of those things mm-hmm. you are going to capture a heart of a of a next generation person like pretty pretty mm-hmm. quickly uh, when you mm-hmm. come in with that kind of posture and that's again mm-hmm. something you've done 
mm-hmm. just masterfully. You could do a you could do a whole master class on what we're talking about. <laughs> you know, uh, well, it it really has. It became such a passion, yeah, uh, for me that it it it's easy. It really is. Once once I made that initial step to do it uh, and got over the fear of rejection yeah. by these kids, which I never felt any at all. Yeah. And then to see them minister to me during the time I had chemo, yeah. I will never forget and I will forever hold on to this huge big card that <laughs> all of you signed and brought over yeah. to me. Yeah. Things like that. Mm. Those kids would come. They would sit and read God's Word to me, pray with me by the hour. Mm. And sometimes we'd maybe order in pizza or I'd have something already there fixed and they'd have dinner with me. And they ministered to me so much during that time. And that was a, you know over a period of several months. Yeah. And I thought, those kids got it they know they know what god wants them to do i mean they're listening to what the holy spirit is directing them to do yeah as far as the older generation and i i was so thankful for those kids at that time and i i still have a a friend who brought me that little vase the little rose yeah there's such a story behind that but anyway that kid was only 14 years old at the time, now 18. Oh, wow. And when he brought me that rose, because he was leaving to go back from his grandma's house to back to Madras, Oregon, where he lived, and he wanted to stop and get flowers for me, and he <laughs> brought me that most darling little crystal vase with one pink rose in it <laughs> with a pink bow around it. Yeah. I will treasure that the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. And to know his heart... To be able for that summer to get into his heart and understand him and listen to him was was such a pleasure for me. Yeah. And I still have notes that I received from him. And then we would text back and forth uh, quite often, too, when, when after he went back to Madras, Oregon. Yeah. And I, I just think I'm so glad I took that time and he took the time to spend with me. Yeah. And I took the time with him just to acknowledge that what a wonderful guy you are. Yeah. You know, what what good things God has for your life. Yeah. Hang in there. Yeah. So you you talked about chemo. Yes. Now, I know this was a pretty uh, monumental moment and season of your life. Um, and uh, and one that, again, the the words cancer... Um, all of that stuff. There's just a lot. A lot of people have connections, either have gone through or have family that have gone through and experienced the mm-hmm. um, the effects of that on them, or they know people that have. Uh, you walked through it, and it was a storm, and and yet you came out through the other side, a, a stronger, um, mm-hmm. and more alive person than you somehow were even before and you were pretty strong and pretty alive before uh just give us a little a little window into that journey yeah because i know there's probably people that are listening to this and are connected to somebody that is walking through this or they themselves are and you know just it's scary and there's an unknown and there's a lot of pain and suffering and um and to to go it just it's just it's just hard it's a hard world obviously Uh, but but i watched you navigate it just so incredibly well you you just should a piece of that journey and I'm sure I'll have a question or two about it but uh, when did when did you receive that first when did you know something was up and receive that first diagnosis um, and kind of give us a snapshot in November of 2018 okay um, I felt a lump in my left groin and it was very small and um, I thought well there's a little bit of pain there I you know I'll get around to going and you know see what's see what's going on. Yeah, and uh, I eventually did about the first of December, and uh, it it progressed enough that I knew something was going on, and I need to go to the doctor and find out uh, a diagnosis, and you know to be able to cope with this sure. and handle this. So 
Uh, in It was in December, the latter part of December of 2018, that I was diagnosed with um, lymphoma, B-cell lymphoma, uh, in my left groin. And it began growing pretty fast. And so I went in for a biopsy to to make sure that's what was going on. Yeah. And I, d- I got the, the diagnosis back that, yes, it was B-cell lymphoma. And I needed to uh, take some steps for procedures that, that they had suggested. So um, I thought, you know, I really hate to go through chemo because it kills all the good cells in your body as well as the bad cells. Right. And um, But it got to the point where it literally exploded like overnight and caused swelling in my left leg. And it caused edema and it caused blood clots. So I had to go into the hospital and have uh, an emergency um, set of chemo, which which I would have just waited and done my regular sure. you know procedure of it. But uh, I was in the hospital for six days, and that was in March of 2019. So from there, um, they scheduled. Then every three weeks, my treatments uh, up until uh, the latter part of the summer in August is when I had my last treatment. But God was so marvelous during that time. It was a time of of real growth for me, spiritual growth for me and for my Mm. family as well. Mm. And I, um, I I never felt depressed. I never felt um, a heaviness. I, I took that scripture in Isaiah 60, uh, verse 3, where it says, put on the garment of praise mm-hmm. for the spirit of heaviness. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I took that and I literally did that many times a day, many times a day. And I, I just would go over in my mind all of the promises of God for healing yeah. and saying, God, I know you can heal. I've been healed so many times myself, and I know that you can heal me. So um, went on with my chemo treatments uh, in, in through the month of, of August, and but I never, ever had any nausea, not one Praise hour Lord. of nausea, which was... Unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah. Never had never lost my hair. Yeah. I went home and shaved my head because everybody told me that it was so traumatic when it started falling out. You don't want to go through that. Well, I never lost my hair. But anyway, through all of that, a lot of these kids were ministering to me, yeah. plus a whole lot of other people, yeah. just a myriad of people yeah. that, that brought so much food I finally had to say my freezer is so full of food (laughs) but you know what God's people are so wonderful and when 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 I saw those kids that would kids they're really young adults they're not kids anymore but anyway when when I saw how they ministered to me day after day those kids would come and I had one gal that would come down from Puyallup and one night it got so late, I said, Giovanni, you are not going home. You're not traveling home at 11 o'clock at night. You're going to stay all night. Yeah. So she says, okay, that's great. So, But I just mm. I just had so many wonderful experiences through that time. Yeah. And uh, I, I can remember when I, was, when I was getting ready, they were prepping me to give me my first heavy dose of chemo. I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I need a rhema word from you. And here I was, had, of course, my phone right there by me, but there were doctors and nurses, and they were, you know, putting all the IVs in and doing all of this and taking my blood work and all that kind of stuff. And my phone pinged, and I I knew I had to answer it. And it was my 14-year-old Mm great-granddaughter from North Dakota. Mm. And she said, Grandma, I love you, great-grandma, I love you so much. And I'm praying for you. And I was just reading my Bible, and I have a scripture in Jeremiah 30, 17. I will heal you 
and restore you. <laughs> Come on. I put the phone down and I said, go ahead with whatever you're doing. <laughs> I said, it's going to be okay. Mm. So that was that was just a, a beginning of a, a great journey. Yeah. that And that, so. So, uh, that piece right there of how to, on one hand, as a seasoned person of faith and following Jesus, right, for years... And believing, like just like mm-hmm. you said, he's a God that can and does still heal, mm-hmm. and he had in different places in your life. So having all of that be as true as it is, and then on the other hand, you know, I'm I guess I'm wondering how and if you ever also had feelings of like, although I believe this, mm-hmm. this might be the Lord's timing for me to transition into eternity. Uh, I don't know if you had both of those, but if you did, mm-hmm. how did you how did you have the peace of this? Of okay, God, mm-hmm. if this is it, I trust you. And yet, God, I still believe you can heal. How, how, tell me about that, because I just know I know Christians really struggle with that, and they feel like to some degree mm-hmm. they have to live in one of those camps or the other, and they can't hold both in attention. How did you do that? You know. Um, I knew that there were literally hundreds of people praying for me. That brought a great peace to me. Yeah. And it really dispelled my fear of it, too, because nobody wants to hear you have cancer. Right. I mean, that's like a death sentence to you. Right. Really, that basically is what it, it is. But, you know, I I felt like, God, if I have to go through chemo, then there's got to be a purpose and there's got to be a reason that you're not just healing me outright. Right. Because I had been healed in previous years instantly. And and I thought, are you doing a progressive kind of thing that's going to be over a period of time rather than instant healing? Sure. Then God, I've got to place this in your hands and trust you. And when you say you're trustworthy... I've got to know that. Yeah. And with God's word, we can know that he is trustworthy. Yes. So I just said, God, there's got to be something in this that I'm not seeing that you see. And I had the greatest opportunity of witnessing to, number one, my oncologist, uh, my scheduler, who started coming to church with me and then COVID hit. Right. And so, but see, God did so many marvelous things during that time that I knew his hand was in even my treatment. Yeah. So we don't tell God what to do or how to do it. He knows all of that and he knows how to do it. But he also knows his purpose in our life. Yeah. So good. I, I, I hope and pray as people are listening to this, that there's just a seed of that deposited in them, mm-hmm. whether they're in something right now or one day they, they are, or they're around somebody mm-hmm. who is that, that, that would be something that, that produces fruit in life in them in those moments, because, because that's what came out of you mm-hmm. as somebody who had the, the chance to talk to you periodically throughout that journey. Like that was the thing I, I recognized there was this, you weren't afraid. You had a lot of faith, but it wasn't this faith that was felt like it wasn't, connected to reality mm-hmm. it was just this I, I believe but I'm also if if it doesn't I'm I'm okay mm-hmm. uh, and the purpose thing like yeah I kept hearing these stories about these people that were being told about Jesus because you were you <laughs> happened to be getting chemo and they were happening to happen to be helping helping uh, you know administer it to you so they were going to be hearing about Jesus and your big God okay. and and I just go gosh if the church could capture that if followers of Jesus could capture that mm-hmm. even a fraction of that how many more people could be impacted for the kingdom mm-hmm. and and how many more people would would continue to enjoy life as yes. they as they are living it out rather than yes. waiting for the one day thing to happen that they can enjoy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I just, you inspired a lot of people uh, during that journey and still to this day as somebody who God did physically heal mm-hmm. through that, um, that you didn't waste the mm-hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. You were real about it and not pretending and not trying to minimize it, but you also allowed the Lord to use it to impact others significantly. So uh, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. 
Well, around around 2021, God called Holly and I, my wife, to to lead and step out in faith and stay connected still to the Living Water family, which we were, mm-hmm. you know, a part of. You were a part of a lot longer than I was. Um, to to lead a, our own campus in Lacey. And uh, I'll never forget the day that you told me, uh, I feel like God's saying, I want to come come with you guys and, and help you over there. Um, it, I mean, for me, again, as a younger person in that, on the spectrum of the generations for, for leading a church and having people in the church, um, it almost gave me like a deep breath. Like I almost went like, okay, all right, God, I, I know you're taking care of me. I know you're you're going to provide uh, the the support, not just in physical, tangible support, but like in the spirit mm-hmm. with the Marion Cosby that you're calling to be a part of our our art season. Um, I mean, the gratitude was hard to describe, but also it was just the sense of like I felt like that was part of the Lord saying like I'm in this, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. you know, and so. It's meant so much over the last almost, well, I guess year and a half or so um, to have you in the life of our church and not just sitting on a, taking a seat and, you know, telling us good job every now and then. Like you are, you are a part of our community and making a, making a dent in the week to week day to day um, amongst other things. But I, so I wanted to talk a little bit just about that in your, in your eighties, continuing to be in your mid, you know, to upper eighties. Um, continuing to say, God, I'm not done and you're not done with me. And I want to be a part of a, a faith community and a community that uh, I can be a part of the bigger mission of the gospel. And and I'm going to go to a younger person's church. <laughs> and rather than, you know, again, I'm sure a lot of the preferences that come with years of following Jesus, going to church, having different things and styles and all that that are available to go, okay, I'm, 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 I'm in the upper echelon of my years. I can just, I'm, I'm going to go enjoy church <laughs> with music that I like, with preaching that I like, whatever it is. And, and yet you've gone, okay, Lord, you want me here and I'm not just going to be here and tolerate. I'm going to be here and engage and participate. Uh, again, just rare. It feels like it's just rare. And I feel Holly and I feel just so privileged that, you God chose you to to choose us in this season to be a part of what God's doing here in Lacey, Washington. And uh will you will you just give a snapshot of what being a part of this community has been like over the last year and a half and 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 what God is doing in you what you're seeing because I think it'll be encouraging just even to maybe some older people out there as well. Um that are going like should I really even be engaged anymore? Is it worth it? You know, mm-hmm. what would you what would you say to that? Well, I had no qualms about transitioning, because as I began to pray about it, the Lord really made it very clear to me that I was to transition over to your church. So I went to Pastor John yeah. and talked with him, of yeah. course, to yes. get my pastor's blessing. Yes, uh, and I had seen your life for the past like four years, four or five years, yeah. and liked what I saw. And knew the potential that was there for you to step out on your own and have your own congregation and, and your own church. So I, I I had no question at all as as to why am I doing this, yeah. God? You you know, yeah, sure. I think you know what you're doing, God. Yeah. And uh, and also uh, during that time, I moved. I moved over within yeah. two miles of our church. Yeah, the physical location, right? So, yes, uh-huh. which was another God thing that I moved there because that was very unexpected. Right. And so when I moved there, there was quite a potential of uh, people maybe getting to talk to people about the Lord and, and doing something even there that... Yeah. that you know, God would have for me. Yeah, yeah. So as this all unfolded, and we were two miles from the church, God had this all orchestrated. Yeah, he did. Beforehand. Yeah, he did. And so when I moved to the the reserve, which is an over fifty five community, um, I had another friend there, Molly Brucey, and I said to her, I said, you know, 
how are we going to get the Christian community together so we know how to stay together and stick together and be a community and reach out to this community? And um, I said, we need a Bible study. Yeah. Well, I stuck my foot in my mouth, so I had to <laughs> do something about it. Yeah. So we started a Bible study. Yeah. And now for about a year and a half, we've had a Bible study there. Yeah. And now we have quite a few people from the reserve that go to Living Water Lacey Church. Yeah. It's inc- so it's we have incredible. quite a community there that, yeah. that is really a blessing. Yeah. So God had it all orchestrated yeah. that, that that this would, would take place. Yeah. And we just followed his leading, and this is what has happened. Yeah. And and that whole picture of you just continuing to say yes to Jesus, like, whatever God you have, I want it. Even if it means um, I'll be a little more physically tired, <laughs> yes. right? Or uh, I'm going to put in a little bit more work and output for preparing something or 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 driving somebody i mean the amount of people that you've mm-hmm. physically drove uh to to be here whether it's a prayer g- gathering or a, a church service or how, i mean i don't think there's been there's not a person in our church who has brought more people to the physical building since we've been open mm-hmm. september 2021 than marion cosby and, and yet well, i have a built-in opportunity yeah like a a lot of people don't right well but regardless there's a lot of people that have similar (laughs) and they still don't do with it what you're but but then but then this is the thing that i just love about you marion is it's not just about bringing them to church it's about how do we bring the church how do we bring jesus to the people with where i'm at Uh and rather than go man i i feel so stuck or i don't have access to whatever i want the people that my kids or grandkids or whatever else right a lot of people i Uh get it there's that sense of I wish there was more of the stuff I love in my life, uh, but that creates in a lot of people this this this. Well, whatever. I guess I don't have much to. And I just have watched you go. Nope, I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna let that be my life. And and you just have just poured yourself out into people and before the Lord in such a beautiful way, day after day after day. And we're seeing what's crazy is the fruit we're seeing as. As it's happening, but the the day you know you cross the the finish line and, and walk into eternity, you're gonna get a you're gonna get that glimpse like instantly of of the Father Jesus, but of also mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the impact and the legacy of the seeds and the conversations and the text the text messages, the way you have text texted me and and so many others I'm sure right? <laughs> young adults and all these just in moments of praying for me a verse. Or, or whatever, and it has been just dead on with what God has been speaking in an encouragement, or a, it's just, you're just being led by the Spirit. It's not just a Sunday yeah. church thing for you. Um, and it has impacted a lot of people. Well, I hope so. Uh, you know, that's my prayer, because uh, I don't want to just live out my years for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I just, uh, I I have a passion for souls. I want to take everybody to heaven with me. Yeah. So that that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it. It comes it comes out of your life, undoubtedly. You, you don't even have to say it for people to see it, which is just really beautiful. Well, so, I mean, this has been a joy for me. I hope you've enjoyed it too, but it's it's something I've that I've loved it. I, I have loved it. I will mm-hmm. I will treasure for a long time, and I know the people that are going to listen to this and watch this um, are going to be so encouraged and, and and challenged by it. And uh, and one of the things that I've only I've only asked one other person to do, which was my grandma, um, at the end of our conversation a few episodes mm-hmm. back. Uh, my grandma Wanda, who there, I, there's a lot of similarities. I just <laughs> in her and in you and vice versa, um, but would. Would I would be honored? Would you be willing to pray for me and pray over me and my family, mm-hmm. um, and and just you know just deposit that 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 spirit that piece of you that is I, that that whole I want to bring souls with me, you know thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I would just be so honored to to finish the podcast with you, just praying over me mm-hmm. um, to to wrap it up. I would love to. Okay. I would love to. Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. I thank you, Father, 
that we are your children. Thank you. And God, you love us with a love that we can't even imagine. Thank you, God. How much you love us. And Father, I thank you for the privilege I have of attending Living Water Lacey and sitting under Pastor Chase and Pastor Holly and their ministry and seeing God develop their ministry and seeing what he's doing in the lives of each one of their children. Hmm. Father, I thank you for their lives. I give you praise, Father, that you have formed this community of believers. You have brought us together, Father, that we can minister to one another. You have brought us into a place where we can be community, we can take care of one another, we can love one another, and we can encourage one another. And Father, I pray that you will just pour out your Spirit upon Pastor Chase and Holly, and upon Wes and Bo and Delaney and Joy. (laughs) Yes, God. Upon, upon his entire family, yeah. his extended family as well, Father, because you have placed them here in your divine providence. God, they didn't choose this. You chose them you, for this place and for such a time as this. Thank you, and I thank you, Father, that they are preaching your word. They are standing on the promises of the Almighty God. Yeah. And they are feeding a flock that is hungry. They are igniting in this flock. They are igniting a fire that is beginning to burn very brightly over this whole community. Thank you, God. And we thank you for that. I thank you for their lives, Father, and pray that you will pour out your spirit upon them abundantly in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks for being here. You're so welcome, and we, thank you for the privilege. Yeah, we love you, and our privilege to get to have you be a part of our lives in this season. So with that, thanks for listening. Until next time, see you later.